welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, everybody, it's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. Welcome back to the show. This week's episode features Samantha Bergman and Christopher Carl. They're the co founders of He Time. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Melissa Sparrow. She's the U.S. president of Shiseido. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, Jody. I want to say a huge congrats to you. What do you want to congratulate me for? Today is episode 199. That's insane. I think you need to ring the bell. Okay, I'm going to ring the bell. Sorry to our audio engineer, Nico, for this loud bell ringing. Yes. So this is our last episode of this year. We are entering 2022 with our 200th episode and our fifth year of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. And that is a huge accomplishment. So congrats. Carrie, that's so many milestones. Five years, 200th episode. We met so many incredible people through the years. It's amazing. It's really major. And I can't help but think of like the beginnings and what that looked like. Do you remember the first few episodes? Yes. Um, and our listeners do too, because interestingly, our very first episodes are still the most um, downloaded episodes. Isn't that crazy? It's because the content doesn't expire. It's still relevant. It's still important. Yeah, people really get excited to hear these stories. So the way this all started, you ready for this? This is big. I want to hear it. Alini and I just Googled how to make a podcast. (laughs) As one does when you need to learn anything, you turn to the internet. So we ordered a lavalier mic, which is like this little clip-on microphone that you can connect to the phone. And then I had found some apps and like, it might have even been free, I don't know, some recording app. And somehow I recorded these conversations over the phone. I really have no idea how I did it. I have to look this up to figure it out. But our first um, episodes were all recorded over the phone. But you also rented like a professional sound studio for a few of them when you wanted to be in person, right? Right. So this is what happened. I um, did all my episodes in the beginning over the phone because I just didn't want to like go through the hard effort. And you know this effort firsthand of like scheduling people in person like, that's really hard, right? Aligning calendars. By the way, everybody, Carrie does that for us. <laughs> like, every day, it's, like, a really hard job. So I recorded everything by phone. But then I had a change of heart. Wow. You you wanted to feed off the person, right? Like, the energy? Well, I didn't know that, except that I had a recording session with the um, team at Fat Mascara. So Jen and Joss were guests on my show, and we recorded in person. And it was such a different experience, and I decided I'm never going back, mm. you know, until COVID. I'm never going back to um, doing this virtually. But even over the phone is different than Zoom. So it, it really is seeing the person that you're connecting with and building, like, off their energy. Yeah, the in-person is the best, for sure. It's super fun. It feels like a free, fun therapy session with everybody I meet. And I also do these great intake calls in advance of the recording. So I get to meet my guests when they're super relaxed because we're not recording, just like a super relaxed conversation. Um, And then typically we'd meet face-to-face in our recording studio, which we built out in our beautiful new office. 
Um, but yes, over COVID, over Zoom, it's fine. It's not as good as in person though. So just very quickly, I want to tell our listeners the about the spaces that we have been in in the past. We started at WeWork, where it was that communal area that people would just trash and we had to like hurriedly clean up and, and make it look beautiful and presentable to our guests. You remember that? Well, wait, I want to I wanna press pause on that. You're making WeWork sound like a total dump. It wasn't a total dump. <laughs> But it was a recording studio in our WeWork space that you could book just like a conference room. So you just had to book it on the app. But what would happen is, you know, people would come and use it and then leave their wrappers, their candy wrappers around and not clean up after themselves. So we weren't like in a in a trash heap. Um, it was a nice space, but other people weren't taking care of it the way that we would. Good clarification. And they had other uses, so it was all shuffled around. Anyways, next, you moved into your own office space. But it wasn't like a soundproof area. So we had to buy these ginormous accordion uh, walls to try to condense the sound. So that was a bit of an operation. Right. And like if a, it was on Broadway in Flatiron. So if a fire truck or police car was going by, we had to just stop talking and let the, <laughs> let the truck go by um, with their sirens blasting and then pick up the conversation. <laughs> That absolutely did happen a lot. And then we moved to our current space, which is absolutely gorgeous and branded, and it just oozes where brains meet beauty. And it's waiting for us to return and pristine condition when the time comes. Yes, I love meeting guests at our space because um, it's a really casual, lovely, pretty, bright space. People get really relaxed. They have a good time. We have tons of candy for them. And we just have a really nice conversation. So I look forward to doing this stuff face-to-face again. Mm-hmm. And before we get into the episode, we just want to genuinely say a huge thank you to all of our listeners and fans who have gotten us to this 199th episode, entering the fifth year. Um, that's really exciting. And We appreciate you guys. So ring the bell for them. And Carrie, I want to just like give a shout out like you did to our loyal fans because we've gotten such incredible feedback through the years. We got feedback that our listeners consume the podcast while they're driving. And we've had people say to us that they pull over (laughs) because they want to take notes. You know, it's so cool how inspiring our guests are and the, the deep wisdom that they so generously share with our listeners. And our listeners give us, you know, great wisdom back. And many of our listeners become guests on our show. So thank you so much for your support the past four years. I can't believe that in January we start our fifth year as a podcast. It's so cool. I just want to tease that we have exciting new things coming. I'm not going to give it away, but stay tuned for the beginning of the year. Very exciting things. Um, But we have an episode today. So let's get right into today's episode with Samantha Bergman and Christopher Carl, episode 199. Let's roll it. Hey, everybody. I'm excited to be here with Samantha Bergman and Christopher Carl. These are the co-founders of He Time. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Hey, Jody. It's nice to see you. Um, so you're both in different places. So Samantha, where are you calling in from? Actually, at the moment, I'm in Israel. But usually I live between New York and Vienna. Spend most of my time in New York when I'm allowed to be there. Great. And Christopher, where are you calling in from? I am calling in from upstate New York. Usually I live in the city, though. Great. Well, thank you both for being here. 
So I'm going to start with my signature question. I'm going to give it to um, Christopher first because he's a really good student of our podcast. So um, Christopher, when you were like age 11 and someone asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, what would you say? Founder of Heat Time. Um, <laughs> joke, of course. <laughs> no, I, um, to be honest, at, at 10 or 11 at that point, I think I was in my uh, pilot phase where uh, I thought it would be really cool to fly planes. Um so obviously that career choice would not come to fruition. Um, but uh, no, it took it took a bunch of years before I actually knew what I wanted to do. I, you know, I chose to study business like everybody who doesn't really know what to do, um, and then went on to consulting like everybody who doesn't really know what they want to do. And uh, it wasn't really until a little bit later uh, when actually working with brands in the beauty sphere that I really discovered a passion for um, for that field. And Samantha, same question for you. Um, so I was an avid basketball player, somewhat semi-professional during when I was 11. But I would say at 12, 13, I started to get into magazines. I wanted to be the editor-in-chief for a fashion magazine, I want to say, which is something I, was started, my, I started my career with. I worked at Vogue for two years as an assistant to Sarah Moonves. Um, so I started with that, but now very happy. I, I ended up at heat time. <laughs> so, um, let's talk about why men's skincare, um, you know, men don't get a lot of love in the skincare industry. Um, so Samantha, um, why start this business? You kind of answered it yourself. It's, it's exactly what we were seeing. So Chris and I had many conversations. We actually worked together before we started heat time. Um, we were both, um, leading together an influencer marketing agency, uh, in New York. And um, we started working with a lot of men. Um, I was leading the talent management division and Chris was leading the brands division. So I started working very closely with, with men in the space and we were, got exposed to a lot of products in the space. And we realized there's nobody who's really speaking to the modern men of our time and, and kind of using, um, in, in our opinion, the correct language that people actually want to be speak, spoken to. Um, so we felt like there is a lot of space in the market for something modern, something current, something, yeah, something exciting. And we thought it was the right time to start Heat Time. You know, this is a, um, an uphill battle, right? To get men to, um, have conversations around skincare. So, um, Christopher, what's been like the biggest challenge since launching? It is, uh, it is exactly that. I mean, Samantha just said it, you know, we, we set out to do things differently at Heat Time. Our, our main goal is not to just launch a new great product for guys. Our goal is to create the whole mindset around what skincare and self-care should actually mean to men and creating positivity around that category for men. So what we're trying to do is not is really establish a new mindset. Um, and creating new behaviors, creating healthier behaviors, creating this healthy relationship with men and this category um, will take time. And um, I think our approach is so unique and so current and so on, um, so in, in line with what's happening, um, that we as a brand are already seeing that we're making progress. Uh, but it's, of course, take it, it'll take longer than trying to sell a new product to 
uh, for example, uh, women who have already tried a lot of different kinds of products and brands. Um, so for us, it's it's a lot of education. It's a lot of trying new things, being fun, being engaging, um, going a really, really strong and robust content route on our on our social channels, working with great people that have strong voices in the industry. Um, so it's really marrying all these different components and um, and telling a compelling story. So um, let's talk about the careers that led up to this um, time. So Samantha, you like you said, you um, had a, a junior role at Vogue, you know, and um, that that alone is an, enough for people when I ask you questions, like what was it like, um, and at Glossy Box. So um, what do you what do you take with you from those experiences that helped you in your entrepreneurial journey so far? It's a very good question. Um, so I think at Vogue, I learned to work really really hard. Um, and I also learned how to appreciate creative creativity and working in the creative space. Um, and I realized later on that being an entrepreneur, you have to be creative many, many times. Um, and it's, it's also in our roles today. I like to be more, Chris has more the business hat on and I'm more involved in the creative things. We're working really closely on every decision we make together, but still this is kind of where I see myself. And that was kind of for me, Vogue was the start of that journey, but I didn't feel like I want to be exposed 100% on this path. I wanted to still be involved in business, but it definitely um, meant a lot for me to kind of start my base there and, and, and really find love for creating things. And um, working at Glossybox was just my first introduction to the beauty space because I was so focused on working in fashion beforehand that I felt like I wanted to be exposed to that space and when you it's a it was a beauty box subscription service so i was basically testing different products on a daily basis and i got to know what works what doesn't work for my skin what works and what doesn't work for many for the skin of the customers and i really fell in love with the with the variety and vast products out there and i felt quite strongly already then that at some point in my life i would like to do my own product um, and then later on, at, when we were leading the influencer marketing agency, we, we kind of got the third side and we saw how it works, how it works to work in media, what sort of, what are people speaking to, what does the customer like to hear? And we also saw how much you can really use social media in order to understand your customer when you have a product um, and how you can use different influencers to ask the questions and, 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 and listen to, you know, read the comments, listen to what people are saying in order to make your product and your brand more interesting and better. Um, so there were many different learnings along the way. And we're still learning, by the way. This is not ending. I feel like every day I'm learning something new <laughs> in this job. So um, when I was at my first job after college, it was at BBDO. And I see that on your um, list, Christopher. Um, and I was a assistant account executive. And my job, I, <laughs> this is going to age me even more, but I was the person who would make dubs. So a dub is just a um, a copy of a videotape, which nobody uses videotapes anymore, but like as basically as an assistant, you're making a dub and you're walking the dub to different people in the agency or putting it on an airplane. So anyway, but what I learned there and I was there for a year is that, um, and it's a lesson I use every day in my own agency, it's that like, there's always a solution, even if it's not a yes for that, you know, exactly what the client asked for. There's there's a solution. We can find a way to do something similar. So that's amazing for client servicing. So, um, you know, Christopher, I'm going back on, you know, your resume. Like, tell me what you learned working at retail and Ralph Lauren that um, helps you today. <laughs> retail at Ralph Lauren. Yeah, that was... Um... 
it's funny. No, most people probably don't put things on their LinkedIn that is that short. I think it was only two, three months. Um, but it really shaped me in a lot of different ways. I, uh, I was studying abroad in uh, Paris at the time for, you know, uh, one of, as part of my Erasmus program. Um, and, uh, I needed to kind of make some money on the side and this new Ralph Lauren shop had just opened up. And um, so I just walked by, gave them my resume, and they said, yeah, cool, we need people, so come in, start tomorrow. Um, and um, right, and you're so American, right? And Ralph Lauren is so American. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so I started the next day, and there's something extremely fascinating about working in retail. It just throws you in at the deep end, especially if you've never done it before, um, having to engage with people and talk to people uh, on a daily basis about things that you probably don't know much about in the beginning. <laughs> um, it's just, it makes you extremely comfortable um, with all kinds of strangers and asking them personal questions, uh, finding out more about them and making them feel comfortable. Um, so I think that experience has really let me overcome fear uh, and fear of engaging with new people in uh, in a profound way. And so um I think everybody should probably at some point or the other, starting on their career, should work in retail. I think it's a, an amazing school. Yes, yeah, same school at, at Glossybox. We actually were, so everybody had to work, I think it was one week per every two months at, in customer service, which is super hard. Um, and then actually call up people and, you know, on the phone and people are upset because they didn't get the box or whatever it was. But that was also a pretty good school. So similar experience, just on the phone. Yeah, I love that. I had um, a retail job in college where I worked at Express, which was a, is a, I think it's still around, mm -hmm. um, a woman's clothing store. And I wanted to be invisible. Like, I didn't want any customer to ask me a question. If I could have been more invisible, I would have, you know, would have been. I, like, hid behind piles of sweaters. But when I worked at, um, you know, fast forward many years, I worked at Luxiton in Provence, and we had many retail stores. And there, and there I got, like, a full training on, like, how to engage with customers, how to, like, look people in the eyes, how to, to talk to them about something other than selling. And um, that, you know, to me is so helpful every day. Um, I do actually miss being in store. I, I thought it was super fun. Um, and I love, love, love customer service stuff. I think, I mean, that's where all the insights are. Right. Right? Like, yeah. there's just so much, um, I'm sure you see this at Heat Time, like, right, so much opportunity to refine your messaging if you really listen to what people are saying. Yeah, and being a D2C brand, as what I was trying to say before, it's it's so interesting because you actually get to being a lot of in, in touch with your customer via whether it's via email or on social media, but you can actually engage with them. And we're also running our own social media. So we actually see the comments and the emails coming in and we do our best to answer that within, within a couple hours. Um, and they're such valid and good questions and actually really get us to understand what are people misunderstanding about the product? What are the questions that are coming up? How can we make our Q&A better on the website or make our SEO better or whatever it is? So really, really helps to get the product. Or what kind of new product should we launch? Exactly. That was actually uh, something we asked our our customers or our core customer base first. So um, it's very exciting to work with the customers. And I think it's a huge advantage when you have a D2C brand. Samantha, do you remember the very first job you had like ever where you earned money? Yes, what was it? Well, that was a babysitter. Oh, mm -hmm. um, well, it was babysitting, but then at the same time, it was actually kind of a funny story. My, um, so when I was 12, I really wanted to be an editor-in-chief one day of a magazine. And so I worked at InStyle in Munich um, with, I think I was 15. It was like a summer job. 
um, an internship and actually that boss there, she's super scary and I, I, I hated that she asked me, but she apparently always asked the interns to look after her baby. Uh, which I think nowadays people wouldn't do anymore. But back then that was totally fine. So <laughs> she asked me to look after her. So I had basically, that was my first and second job within a couple of weeks. Oh my goodness. That is so not okay anymore, but I can no, totally imagine okay. it happening. And do you remember what you spent that money on? Oh my God. Um, probably makeup. I was makeup obsessed when I was like 14, 15. So definitely makeup. I had that MAC lipstick, which I, I think, bought 16 times after that because I used it so much that it was gone after two and a half weeks. <laughs> Christopher, what was your very first job making money? Uh, I had a paper route uh, at 14, I think. So I would yeah, deliver a very, I mean, it was a very annoying newspaper that everybody who I gave it to didn't want it. They immediately threw it away. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was full of adverts, right? Um, and so, yeah, that was, in the wintertime, especially very, very challenging. I had my little bike and my basket in the back, and I'll just, you know, throw the newspapers uh, into people's driveways. <laughs> and do you remember what you spent that money on? Um, I actually have no idea. It might have been a remote-controlled car or something like that. I was very much into those kind of things. I was a babysitter very early, like I think at like age 13. And I can't believe people would let me leave me alone with their children. Right. They did. And I made so much money. And I probably saved a lot of it. But I remember being a teen teenager, maybe like 16 years old and saving up for a Kate Spade purse, which was like a very, very big deal back then. <laughs> very, very big deal. I remember that. Um, I think I might even still have it. It's like, you know, it's vintage at this point. Um, okay, so let's talk about um, leadership style. You know, this is a, a new business in a category that is like underserved, mm -hmm. right? And, um, you know, your co your co-founders, you know, this is um, very exciting to have a partner, but it can also be very challenging. Mm -hmm. So um, what does leadership look like um, for both of you as you um, try to grow this business? And we'll start with Christopher. Whew. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I... I mean, Sam and I, uh, we work extremely well together because we were working already together before this brand. So um, when it comes to leadership among the two of us, we actually are extremely um, in in tune and for the most part um, come to agreements and very fruitful also discussions and conversations very easily. Um, but when I look at, uh, I guess, the past bosses that I've had, I think... Um, the in most interesting ones were the ones that were extremely strict and demanding, but at the same time also very encouraging. Um, and it's just to strike that fine balance of finding the good, seeing the good in people, uh, but also really setting setting high expectations and and just a, a solid framework to people to work in. Um, and we do have some experience in that because our previous agency that we led was at um, when we when we left the agency over twenty people. Um, so, um, I think, um, that kind of style has, has worked well for us in the past. Yeah. I think for me, it's actually trust. So the reason Chris and I can work together is because we trust each other blindly with each other's expertise, but also when one of us happens to have a strong opinion about something and the other person has another, then we really just talk about it. In the end, we always come to a conclusion that both feel okay about because, because of trust. Um, so I think it's 
trust and a lot of conversations to be had. And same with leadership when we we have now partners in a company and also when we work with, with, with different agency, whatever, it's always, if you hire somebody to do something, then I think you need to trust them also to do it. And a lot of bosses out there make the mistake to still micromanage. And I, I do tend to want to micromanage. I can I catch myself when I'm like trying to be like, can you see me on that email? So I stop myself to do that. And I'm just like, no, this is, you know, there's, there's many people who have much, much more experience in certain things. That's why they hired them than I do. So I need to just this moment, just listen to them and, and let them do their thing. How do you stop yourself? Like, what do you have to do to stop yourself from um, entering that conversation? It's really, it's, it's, it's kind of like you just catch yourself. You're, you're about to write that email and then you're just like, oh, I wouldn't like that myself. I mean, working at, having had several different jobs prior to starting my own business, I know what it feels like to be employed and also to work with, you know, in a bigger corporation, but then also work in a startup. Um, there are a lot of anxious bosses out there. And when you feel their anxiety and you feel their stress breathing down your neck, you just don't work as well as when you can tell, okay, they trust you and they believe in you and you just want to do so much better. Um, so that's the sort of spirit that, I hope we give off and that we definitely give each other. So, um, Christopher, this question's for you. I, you know, I've been in this business for a long time and I consistently do not want to own a product brand. Like I do not want inventory. I don't want to manufacture. I love that Mm -hmm. I'm service-based, right? It's like a real simplification of the dynamics of running a business. So why do you want inventory? Why do you want to manufacture? I love having inventory. That's a great question. uh, (laughs) I mean, having worked in a service brand or a service industry before, it is so lean and it's so easy to set up and you can grow so quickly if you do it well. Um, But at the same time, there's nothing more gratifying than having a physical product in your hand that you developed both internally, the formulation or whatever whatever it is, um, and the design and just seeing it in a store or um, having people post about it that just organically, you know, love the product or as Sam said, you know, write us about uh, with positive feedback or even critical feedback, just having this physical touch point, this uh, actual, the fruit of your work in your hands, um, that's just something that that feels amazing. And um, we worked for so many different brands in our, um, in our previous career that at some point we just felt like, you know what, we can do this so well. Why don't we do this for our own team, for like our own brand um, and continuously grow that? So, so yeah, it, it's, a, it's an incredible feeling for sure. Okay, so now let's go back in time um, and tell me the moment when this conversation started about let's leave this agency and start a men's skincare brand. Um, Sam, you can start. Mm-hmm. I feel like Chris should start because he called me. Okay. <laughs> I actually already... I, oh, but, we, but you left earlier. I did, I did leave <laughs> earlier. I did, I did leave the agency uh, earlier. Um, basically, Chris left after few months after I left and we, we, we actually were in touch throughout and we constantly said throughout one day we'll do something together. And then once he did leave, he called me up again. He was like, okay, so this finally happened. I left and I'd like to do something and I'd love to do something in the skincare space. Um, what do you think about men's skincare? And I was like, then we'd start discussing that topic. 
back and forth. And I was like, are you crazy? <laughs> the men's skincare, there's not enough people out there that would do it. And he's like, that's exactly the point. And so there was a lot of back and forth. And then actually we came up in that moment, like in that conversation, because he was like, I want to do a line. And I was like, no, we can't just start with a line. There's too much competition. We won't have enough money. Um, that we decided we want to start. First of all, we decided within seconds, we're going to do this, which we never really actually discussed. It just was like, okay, we're doing this. But then we um, actually decided to do the sheet mask as a first product within like that same phone call um, because I was still very much involved in the influencer space and I saw all of these guys starting to post themselves in the bathroom and like, you know, putting on a mask or like showing themselves, putting on the moisture, whatever it was, but it was always showing them like kind of selfie mode in on their stories. And I realized, both realized quickly that there are so many, there's so much we can do out there actually with using our connections within the social media space, working with different influencers to bring a product, you know, to use that instead of having to invest a lot in ads, but actually use influencers. But we wanted a product that's visible. And we realized, hey, what? there's never been a sheet mask out there made for men. Um, so let's start doing that. It's special and it's visible and actually super effective and an amazing product. So why don't we start doing that? And that was really the first conversation we talked about heat up. Um, Okay, so Christopher, then take me back in time, because, like, were you quitting your job and didn't have another job lined up? I was primarily done with the agency life. I just, I felt like um, this just wasn't for me anymore. And so, so yeah, I left without having this clearly built out in my mind. I just took some time off. I did some solo traveling, like, the, you know, the, the, the typical stuff <laughs> when you leave a job. Um, and then coming back and having thought a lot about what I want to do next, that was, it was a product brand. It was something that I, I was always intrigued by. Um, my very first internship 10 years prior was at Calvin Klein Fragrances. So I had, I had fallen in love with like the idea of beauty brands and the power that just a brand can have because Obviously, many of these projects are very interchangeable, um, but it's the power of, of the storytelling, of the content um, that just really got me excited. And that's something that I thought we could do, Sam and I, exceptionally well. And so, yeah, as Sam said, you know, we jumped on a phone call. She was already in, she was in Europe at that time. And I was still in New York. Um, a week later, I flew to Berlin and we sat down and uh, and within a week, we had this this whole brand set up. <laughs> yeah, and it was, it was actually really fun because... Chris came up, he already obviously did a lot of research about the business sides of, of the men's skincare space, but then we really dug into it and we realized how there's so much we can do. And then we also came up with the heat type name in that during that time in Berlin, we had a little workshop because we just felt like this really represents what we're trying to, to, to create out there, like a specific time that he will have for himself. Um, and that he can actually call it like, I'll, I'll, I'll have a little heat time right now. Just to like, that's because there's not really in the skincare space, there's never been time dedicated to men's self-care. And that's what we're trying to do. So it's, yeah, it's always about efficiency and, uh, you know, you, it's a lot of focus around tech or like something functional. Whereas we want to guys to actually celebrate and look forward to this moment, whether it's like 20 minutes that they use our mask for or, or, or something else that takes a minute or 30 seconds. It's always that it's that that positive connotation with the ritual rather than just the product. And is this business bootstrapped? Is this your investment? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. That's a lot, right? <laughs> right. It's a lot of pressure. Yes. 
<laughs> yes, but it also lets. But at the same be, time, it's fully ours. Exactly, it's it's ours, and that was super important to us. We wanted it from from the beginning, and for the beginning, we wanted it to be our vision. So, um, you know, with the time we have remaining, let's talk about what it takes to actually like see the dream come true. I'm sure you have a lot of dreams, but. Um, you know, this is not an inexpensive business to grow in, right? The cost of doing business is high. Um, it sounds like, I mean, from my perspective, I know like there are, there is men's skincare out there, but it sounds like you're really kind of starting a new category in men's skincare, um, which means that you kind of have to spend double, right? You have to invest in your brand name, but you have to also invest in um, creating purpose in this new category, right? Like men should be paying attention to their skin. Men should should be taking time for themselves, right? That's that's a whole different mountain to climb next to the other mountain, which is the heat time mountain. Um, so like, what is your goal? Like your next year goal, your five-year goal, and how do you stay focused when it really is every day really is hard? And we can start with Sam. Okay. Yeah, I just want to quickly answer to the first part of what you were saying about the two mountains. I think actually we... Um, started right right at the right time when um, it was no longer a huge mountain to climb, but actually there was a lot of work that's been done in the press, in the media, just, you know, there is already these waves that were happening where um, gender is no longer such an issue when it comes to skincare. So people are, you already started seeing men using uh, creams and talking about it, and there's been men aisles in, in, in drugstores and stuff. So I feel like that's been that... The, the mountain has been paved a little bit and it's just, um, and it's not as, it wasn't as hard to climb. Um, but yeah, what's, what are, what are our goals? I mean, we, I think that we already reached a huge goal by launching and actually our launch was extremely successful. We got tons of PR because of the special product that we did launch with that, you know, a specific cause that we had in mind. And it got a lot of great press and amazing reviews for the product, which was obviously super important to us that actually the product also succeeds and people are, people are loving the product. Um, and, and so that was a huge success in the past. And when I look into the future, I think we really want to own that space entirely. So we started with a niche product or a product that was you know, new to the category, but we are going into um, different products that are more familiar within the category, just better. Um, and that's something that we're, we're going to build out more and more throughout this year. Actually, we're going to launch a new product uh, this summer, which is super exciting and, and additional products throughout the year. Um, and then we really want to, we don't see the skincare space as one alone. We actually see skincare and self-care as one. And we're one of the only and first brands that are combining those two, two spaces within the brand and within the products that we create. Chris, maybe you want to talk more to that. Yeah. Chris, tell me like your, your five-year goal. Like what, what would, what would the dream come true? What, what dream would come true in five years if you had your wish? <sighs> yeah. I mean, just really piggybacking off of what, what Sam said, obviously filling a bunch of niches that we feel like are in within the just the bathroom sphere um, and all the different heat time moments that you can, that, that just we know we can do better and put a smile on guys' face when they reach for a product. But, uh, but then also expanding that whole realm of not just skincare, but also 
the self-care realm. So having experiences that don't just relate to a physical product, um, something that can live online and offline, amazing collaborations with other brands that operate in complementary uh, categories, and just creating, creating a brand world rather than just a great lineup of products. Because the Heat Time ethos can support a whole a whole lifestyle that I think guys are just not that familiar yet with and that we want to bring bring closer to them and make it more accessible. So yeah, that's that's really Yeah, I'd love I'd love in five years for people to start using heat time as a word not only related to our products but more for a time that they actually use to take care of yeah. themselves. <laughs> and you know the the name might be heat time and we are speaking to guys and getting them excited about the category but our products are so good they should also be used by everybody in fact we have already we have tons of uh of women who buy who buy this for themselves or buy it for their significant others and these are products that are not meant to exclude anybody they're just meant to include men um and speak to them more directly but it's uh yeah hopefully down the road we'll also have a broad customer base base that goes beyond just men Well, thank you so much to both of you for sharing your wisdom and your journey with our listeners today. It's so nice to see your faces. Thank you. Yeah, really fun. Thank you so much, Jody. It's been fun. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Samantha and Christopher. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.